CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Kim Fox is a proven progressive reformer, fighting gun crime, enacting bill reform, and expunging records from the failed war on crime are a few of her achievements. It takes more than three years to fix the broken justice system. Look at her record, not the rhetoric. Re-elect Kim Fox for Cook County State's Attorney, paid for by Friends for Fox. It is Friday. What that means to us here on the Ben Jarofsky Show is that it is time to plug this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Yes, people, we pack a lunch every day here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Not only do we bring you a new show for count them four days a week. We also record exclusive bonus interviews that you can download at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and by God, sometimes even Tuesday morning before your regularly scheduled program. Well, this weekend's more of the same, people. Here is this weekend uh, bonus interview lineup. On Saturday, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life returns to the program. It's all things the presidential election and the future of the Democrats with author and professor David Ferris. Ben, what are you going to ask David Ferris? He's oh, man, coming in after wait. the show today. Uh, we cannot wait. David Ferris uh, is the Roosevelt University political science professor. Comes on about once a month. He wrote a book essentially telling Democrats uh, to start behaving more like Republicans and and go at play the game hard, play the game to win instead of wimping out like you usually do. Uh, and he has a lot of fascinating comments to talk about. Uh, he's constantly trying to push the Democrats to be more aggressive and smarter and tactical in the way you go about things. Like number one. Why do you accept the Electoral College? What? It's been 20 years since they snatched an election from you. You've done nothing on this front. You just play the game by the way it's dictated by Republicans, and you expect to win, David Ferris. That's, that's just one example. Uh, he'll be in here talking about something that's on my mind, how everybody's consolidating around Biden. Shut up, Bernie. People fall in line. Do it like we tell you. Shut up. Don't say anything. That's kind of what David Ferris and I will be talking about. There you go. It's David Ferris, our good friend, returning. That's going to be available on Saturday morning. On to Sunday, and boy, did it get crazy in this interview. Oh, my goodness. Host of Out <laughs> Chicago on the station that fired Ben, WCPT 820 AM, Scott Duff makes his Ben Jarofsky Show podcast yes. debut. Mm -hmm. Once again, that will be available Sunday morning. Hey, right before uh, Scott Duff's show, Out Chicago, mm -hmm. 11 AM until 1 on the station that fired you. Yes. And the one see I, you later, Ben. And the one I quit because they fired Ben. Good riddance, WCPT 820. Yeah. On mm -hmm. Sunday night and available Monday morning, catch up on the local <laughs> news that you may have missed this week with our Oh, What a Week It Was best of special. And finally, dropping Monday night and available for download Tuesday morning. Download and listen as we go beyond the column. It's the latest podcast special Ben and I have been doing where we not only take a deep dive into the latest Chicago Reader column, from that fella right there, Ben Jarofsky. But we also go back into time and read a column from Ben Jarofsky past. And we'll have special guests for this episode as well, David Ferris and our good friend, Pat Whalen. We encourage all of you listening, especially those on YouTube, to go subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show and check out, download these bonus interviews. By the way, we try not to beg here too often on the show, but for the love of God, if you go do that, give us a rating. Give us a thumbs up. 
You know, tell the people you like us. They have a five-star rating, I believe, on uh, Apple Podcasts. So you know the golden Ben Jarofsky rule. <laughs> five stars only. I remember that one from back in the day. All Five right. stars only. All hey. right. I don't want any of those four stars, three stars, two stars. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, March 6th, is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District Eight. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9 are sponsors. The International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show was brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, we all need a song of the day. Well, I think it's appropriate that the song of the day be linked to the person who's in the studio who has not been introduced. So I'm going to go back into the vaults, go back into time. One of my favorite songs from the early 70s when I was a young guy. I wasn't even a young man. I was a teenager hanging around the rocks doing weird stuff. The song? <laughs> doing weird stuff. <laughs> Which is now legal. Oh, okay. Back then it was Smoking pot. Uh, and uh, the song that I'm going to sing is called Venture a Highway in the Sunshine. <laughs> My favorite parts of the song of the day is your guitar at the end of it. Every night. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that song, Ventura Highway? I think so. Uh, I love Ventura Highway. All right. It's one of my favorite songs. All Pretend right. tribute points who sings it. No one cares. Okay. The Bindrowski <laughs> Show starts now. <laughs> it is Friday, March 6th. And live from the Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Bindrowski Show. Today on the program, Rachel Ventura is here. We welcome back 25th Ward Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez and also making his return, attorney Lynn Goodman. Leonard Goodman. And now your host, not an alderman or an attorney, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an alderman. But I am Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here calling this Fall in Line Friday. And here's why. Because everywhere I go, everybody's telling me to shut up and fall in line. That's correct. Yeah, the primary's over. Biden won. Shut up, you Bernie supporters. Fall in line. Man, I'm so used to that, by the way. By the way, can I just say something, D? Go. I mean, whose um, name's on that banner? A few other guests Same are going to be want. here today. I just want to uh, promote a few other guests who are also coming. Ramana Hussein will be here at 1.30. Oh, I forgot to put her on my list. Yes, uh, Ramana, the Ramana Rundown every Friday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Leonard Goodman, indeed, will be here uh, at 2. Uh, Lorene Targos will be here as well with Byron Sixto Lopez. Uh, they're a couple, a duo. Lorene, a huge Bernie Sanders supporter, uh, EPA activist, and a regular on the Ben Jarofsky show. So we'll have a lot of political talk uh, broadening uh, the discussion. I'm about to introduce right now how everybody's telling Bernie supporters to fall in line. And you know what? I'm just going to bring Rachel Ventura out right now because it's only appropriate uh, that she address this issue. So, Rachel, welcome back to the show, first of all. Thank you. And uh, before we uh, go any further into the whole fall in line situation where everybody's telling Bernie supporters, shut up, the election's over, uh, Biden won 10 states or 10 primaries and Super Tuesday, leave, go, <laughs> just endorse Joe Biden, okay? End it. Uh, before we get into that, 
tell people who you are, why you're here, and what you're running for. Okay, my name is Rachel Ventura, and I am running for Congress in the 11th Congressional District, which is Joliet to Aurora, Naperville, down to Shanahan. And I am a progressive Democrat. I'm not taking corporate PAC dollars. I am supporting the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, very much the strong progressive platform. Um, and I'm here because when uh, Elizabeth Warren first announced, before Bernie had announced, uh, I jumped on board publicly and said I would be a Warren supporter. Of course, when Bernie then announced, it made it very difficult for me. I was a Bernie supporter in 2016. I have run, um, I currently serve on the Will County Board. I ran in that election for a government that works for everyone. I keep running on that platform. I do believe in it. Um, and so at that point, I said I would endorse Bernie and Elizabeth um, because of the platform that they were uh, supporting. And last time I was here on the show, we talked about the unity, the not letting them tear the progressives apart, that we needed them to come together. Uh, we needed their supporters when it came to the convention to very much be, be behind Bernie. So a few days ago, we had a barnstorm in Aurora for Bernie, and I contacted Ben saying that we were going to endorse Bernie Sanders because of the shenanigans of, once again, the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, they've been putting a lot of pressure on those pres presidential ca candidates to drop off out, and they knew that if they went into Super Tuesday with a split vote, Bernie would come out as the top winner, and the Democratic Party couldn't have that, so they put pressure on Pete and Amy, and, you know, Tom dropped for his own reasons, I think. Tom I think, Steyer. yeah, he saw the uh, the writing on the wall when it came down to how much money he'd put into South Carolina. So mm -hmm. I, I think that he did it because he knew that that wasn't a path forward for him. But the other two definitely dropped to give Biden that bump. Right. And so who knows what promises were made? But we need to make sure that we're doing the same thing for the progressives and getting behind our top vote getter and pushing that progressive agenda. Well, uh, and just to remind folks, you're, when you're running in the 11th Congressional, you're running against an incumbent Democrat, uh, Bill Foster. So in many ways, there's parallels between your race for Congress and Bernie Sanders' race uh, for president. You're coming at... Uh, it's basically the left versus the center in the Democratic Party. Absolutely. And Bill Foster did endorse Biden. And so it's it's very much that parallel. Do you want a bought and paid for politician who's going to change nothing and keep the status quo so our government only works for a select few? Or do you want a progressive Democrat who is going to take over our party and make sure it's for the people, have the populist message, and not take those corporate dollars so that we can actually represent people and have real change in this country? All right. Well, let me uh, conjure up my inner centrist and uh, <laughs> uh, come at you right here. Um, isn't it just important that Democrats elect Democrats and not worry about where they stand ideologically uh, on the spectrum, that they just be have the D next to their name? Because all that matters is that Democrats defeat Donald John Trump uh, in November and hold on to the House. So we did that in 2016 and we lost. And so if we do it again, we will once again lose. And the reason why, and it isn't because... You know, a lot of blame was put on Bernie supporters, but that's not the reason why. It's because centrist Democrats, who are the status quo, who are not willing to change anything, does not excite people to get out and vote. Mm -hmm. People of color, women, the youth. These are all entities that we have people who need to come out and have a strong voice. And if they're not excited because they know nothing's going to change, they're not going to show up. And when they don't show up, we get Donald Trump. 
So it, it's more important for us to excite people to get involved in our politics and get out there and feel like they are being represented. And that's what Bernie Sanders is doing. He's turning out new voters. He's making sure people who have in the past minority groups who have not had a voice and have not had policies written for them. He's supporting those policies. He's supporting those people. And that's what we need to do. All of us need to come together and say, look, a vote for Biden is basically a vote for Trump. You explain that. Because if you vote for Biden and he goes into the nomination, he's going to lose. Democrats aren't going to show up, right? Bernie supporters aren't going to show up. Women may not sh show up. you got two white men, two old white men duking it out. Yeah. Who's being represented here? And you know who likes to represent Donald Trump? White men. Okay, I'm now really conjuring up my inner centrist Democrat here. Okay, there's, it's, uh, first of all, I do not agree that automatically uh, Joe Biden will. Who was I just having? I was having this conversation with an ardent Bernie supporter. Okay, just the other just the other day, uh, and uh, uh, that this ardent Bernie supporter was was telling to me uh, what you said, and I, I don't buy. I'm a Bernie supporter. Let me just start by saying I'm voting for Bernie. I believe in Bernie should pu pushing the party to the left. And I don't believe the centrists when they say uh, that Bernie has never accomplished anything. I believe that Bernie has probably done more uh, for health care than anybody else in this century, with the exception of, I got to give Obama credit for Obamacare, second to Obama, by putting Medicare for all on yep. the map and, and putting Biden in a position where he has to at least concede that it's a worthwhile let's, goal. Let's redefine it like this then. Go. Instead of looking at it from a Republican and a Democratic standpoint, mm -hmm. look at it from a corporation and a people standpoint. Biden represents corporations. Trump ran against his establishment as a voice for the people. And that's what some people like about him. So if you walk into the polls and you want either to vote for someone who's going to represent corporations and the rich getting richer, or you want someone who's going to you know, be a loose cannon a little bit and maybe go with their gut and go with and some of the people. And still going to make corporations richer. In fact, make yes. corporations even richer. Because See, here's where, this is where I, I take a stand uh, with so many of my fellow Bernie supporters. I believe that a vote for Joe Biden or a vote for any of the centrists that were running, uh, I think the last time you we were here, I was still like testing the Kamala Kool-Aid. You remember that, Rachel? <laughs> I believe a vote for any one of those centrist candidates will be an advancement over what we have now. I absolutely believe that. Fundamentally, I think about in terms of Supreme Court appointments. I th we, we, yesterday we had the unions in. We were talking about the National Labor Relations Board and how important it is uh, that Democrats appoint the members of the National Labor Relations Board because they oversee so much of our uh, collective bargaining rights. So. I just believe that uh, a, even a centrist Democrat is better than Donald Trump. Do you at least concede that point? So, yes and no. When it comes to some of the policies you mentioned about the judges, you know, that's something we need to start at the grassroots level. The local judges need, we need to start appointing or electing more local Democratic judges. So that doesn't always just come from the top Supreme Court, yes. And there is some very real concerns there. But... Electing someone who's going to have those incremental changes have actually moved us backwards, not forward. Our rights have been rolled back. Our 
protections have been rolled back so corporations can continue to make money. So that incrementalism is not moving us forward. It's moving us backwards. And it's that boiling pot. We're the frog in the boiling pot, and it's slowly getting warmer, slowly getting warmer. And at some point, we say stop. And the argument, like the Medicare for all argument, you know, I'm a supporter of Medicare for all. And this incremental is, oh, we'll offer a public option. We'll have buyout. We'll have opt-out. No, you know what that is? That's that broken car that you've had got 200,000 miles on it. Everything keeps breaking, radiator breaks, transmission goes out. You keep dumping money into this broken car. At, at some point you say enough, go buy a new car. You can, you can depend on it. You know it's gonna work and you're gonna be probably safer because of it. That is a Medicare for all system. It is time for us to say enough with this broken insurance gets to dictate everything. And Biden is looking at this, insurance companies can keep making money and we'll just placate the people. Well, human lives are online here. It's we're done placating people. It's time for everyone to stand up. Every Democrat, even Republicans should stand up and say we deserve healthcare true choice. Not insurance choice, but where we decide what doctors we go to because we know what's best for our okay. bodies. I I can't disagree with anything you say. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm a believer in Medicare for all, but I'm telling you right now when I think of uh, Joe Biden in his position of of defending Obamacare as opposed to Donald Trump, who has his lawyers in court right now trying to eradicate Obamacare, it's to it, there is a distinction. Mm -hmm. there, there's a distinction. But it, the problem is that if you don't excite people to turn out, then then you automatically get Trump. And that's why I'm saying a vote for Biden going in, people won't show up. They won't show up to the polls and we need every Democrat to show up to the polls. And so that's why we need a nomination, a nominee people are going to be excited about to show up and vote for. They're not going to be excited to show up for the same old, same old, the status quo. They know the system is broken. They know those politicians will not change the system for them. Why would they show up? And as my dad says, we will either fight this rev res um, revolution in the ballot box, or we will fight this revolution in the streets. Your Which, dad said, isn't yeah. your dad a, a military man? Oh, no, 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 he's a democratic <laughs> socialist. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, um, but right. it's true, right? If we don't, if people don't show up and then it gets worse, Donald yeah. Trump's makes our lives worse, what's the next option? All right, I'm gonna say this right now. I'm gonna make this bet with you right now. Okay. And I'm gonna bring you back in the show uh, and I will pay up my bet if I lose, okay? I believe Joe Biden can beat Donald John Trump. So if Biden is the nominee, I believe he will beat Donald Trump. Let's this make a is bet what right now. I bet, I, I'll take that bet because <laughs> we had, okay, when Hillary ran in 2016, yes. right? Mm -hmm. She at least excited women to turn out to vote. Biden's not even doing that. Okay. No woman wants creepy Biden smelling their hair. I'm right. just going to say I, I that I hear you right on that now. one, but that's a whole other issue. I mean, I don't want to relitigate yeah. uh, 2016. Yeah, okay. and I don't either, and that's my fear. But And I don't completely trust exit polls, but the exit polls I se I've seen say that uh, Donald Trump got over 50% of the white women vote. Over 50%. And I've had I've been discussing this with so many different guests, Rachel, you know, it's, and we just saw this really yesterday when Elizabeth Warren uh, bowed out of the race, she could not consolidate the uh, women voting in the Democratic primary to win. Right. And so 
I don't know who got excited so, by Hillary Clinton's presence. <laughs> so I don't know if women got that excited but by I, it either. But I think that's why it's also important to make sure that we are turning out Hispanic women, black women, Asian women, right? And is Joe Biden going to excite those women to come out and vote? I don't know. That's a great question. But I, I have to say this. As a Bernie supporter, I've been disappointed by the lack of turnout for Bernie in these early, uh, or the relatively low turnout. I expected, I was hoping for uh, evidence that people who had never voted for four would be showing up to the polls. I have not seen that But I think partly because of Warren being in that race, I do think that she was exciting people to vote for her, you know, 11 to 15%. You know, that's the progressive vote she was also taking away from uh, from Bernie. No, I'm just talking about overall turnout. Oh, you mean like voter oh, turnout? As yeah, but overall turnout, the, the, the notion that new people who had never voted before would suddenly show up at the polls, yeah. would be registered to the polls. Uh, the, the, historically, the, the only th- thing I can think of, which is way before your time, is in Chicago, we had a mayoral election in 1983 when Harold Washington was victorious. There he is right there. <laughs> and uh, the turnout was unbelievable, Rachel. It was yeah. uh, the number, the percentage of people, not only just like the number of people who registered rose, but then the, the portion yeah. of the registered voter, I forget how high it was, over 80%. Uh, I've never seen anything like it before or since. So that's what I was hoping yeah. for. And I ha- I didn't see it. So that's why I'm a little, dis- that's the one thing I'm discouraged Yeah, and we by. haven't looked at the different states' turnouts, but I see what you're saying. Like, where, where are they excited to come out for new candidates for... You know, and we saw that in Obama when he ran, there was larger turnout of voters who had never voted before, felt that this was something different, someone they could get behind, and they turned out. And that's what we didn't see in 2016. We had a huge drop off from when Obama ran in both of his terms to in the this 2016 race. All right, fair enough. Before we turn it over to Dennis uh, for news, and you can uh, participate in our news segment one more time tell them who you are what you're running for and where they can get a hold of you yep my name is rachel ventura i'm a progressive democrat running for congress in illinois 11th district and you can find me online at electventura.com and every social media platform under elect ventura and i know the last time you were on the show i did that gag about the ventura highway as well (laughs) uh and i think i talked about robin ventura Uh, so i could have i thought about singing rock and robin which was the song that the white sox used to play when robin ventura came to plate yes but i I went with the Ventura Highway theme. Uh, All right, Dr. D, give us some news, and let's see. Maybe Rachel will riff on the news with us. How's it going, everybody? For the fourth and final time this week, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And as we typically do, we begin with the Illinois governor. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. Very wise Ah, man. Very wise man. Today, J.B. Pritzker is at Fenton High School in Bensonville to talk about the school's advanced placement program and the state's investments to keep such exams affordable for Illinois families. Moving on, and get out that giant, goofy-looking pair of scissors, because today, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot joined housing officials at a ribbon-cutting. It's at the newly renovated Mark Twain Apartments. Mark Twain Apartments on Division? Yep. Wow, I remember the Mark Twains back in the day. There was a fire there. A couple people died in that fire. Yeah, well, glad to see the Mark Twain's still alive. That's a a low-income, what's it, like a single occupancy right in the middle of... A, a rapidly gentrifying area. They tore down Cabrini Green. And so I guess but they're hey, keeping the Mark Twain apart. It's not all luncheons and ribbon cuttings when you're the mayor of the city, all right? This is a tough job, okay? You have to deal with budgets, bargaining agreements, corruption, and unfortunately, you have to deal with these damn pesky aldermen who are constantly trying to look out for their constituents. How rude! 
What's wrong with them? Yeah, I know. What are they thinking? <laughs> it looks like the mayor uh, may have hit a nerve with one of her fellow city council members. So, yes, people, it is time for everyone's favorite Chicago political soap opera that has finally returned in 2020. It is time for a mayor and her alderman. Uh, yeah, we have Yeah, you're right. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. First time, 2020. Mm-hmm. Today on a mayor and her alderman, it's the Pilsen put down, starring 25th Ward Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez. Oh wait, he's a guest on our show today. He'll be here in about an hour. What a coincidence! With Florine Targos, his wife. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the best damn city hall reporter we'll see in our lifetimes, Fran the Woe Man Spielman. The headline reads, Lightfoot's Pilsen remark irks local aldermen. Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Thursday risked insulting Pilsen residents with remarks intended to praise its resurgence. Lightfoot's remarks came during a question and answer session at a day-long innovation summit as she discussed reducing gun violence by creating vibrant, healthy, and safe neighborhoods. Here's the quote from Lightfoot. Quote, Pilsen 10 years ago was a neighborhood we would we all would have been a little bit concerned about being in after dark. Pilsen now is a vibrant, thriving neighborhood. What's the difference? The difference is economic development. What do you think about that quote, Ben? Well, 10 years ago was 2010. Uh, so... I mean, I kind of get what she's getting at, but I don't think it's appropriate from the timeline. Uh, I don't don't know. I've been going to Pilsen since I moved to Chicago in 1981. So I'm always, like, Rom used to do this. And, you know, I just, I I never, I'm never comfortable uh, when our leaders talk about, like, changes that have happened. Well, she's not really taking credit for herself. Uh, I mean, for herself by this, but Ron would do this, Daly would do this. It's like somehow or other, the world was a dangerous place uh, filled with bad people until they got involved and started throwing tiff dollars here and there. And the world is safer now. And I've never been comfortable with mayors who do that. I always feel it's like really unfair to the predecessor and all the, the overwhelming socioeconomic problems that we're facing as a civilization, Rachel, to, to just to say, oh, you know, we've solved this problem. It's a wonderful place. Right. And and it's just like, well, man, I, you know, there's just so much embedded. There's so much bias embedded uh, in that observation. And it's not even on a timeline accurate because 10 years ago, like, from their standpoint, Pilsen was already, quote unquote, improving by, right. quote unquote, gentrifying. Well, and what about the other side of that? If you're going to take all the credit from the past issues changing for the better, what about what's changing for the worse? Where's that at? You know, they didn't have to take credit for that part of it. So, yeah. No, nobody Don't wants, cherry yeah. pick. That's I guess that's my advice. Don't cherry pick. Uh, that is Rachel Ventura speaking, and her district is outside of Chicago, so she doesn't have to worry That's about right. what Lori Lightfoot says about her. That's right. Alderman Sigcho Lopez branded the mayor's remarks about Pilsen, quote, insulting, and said they showed how, quote, disconnected she is from problems posed by the gentrification that has eroded the neighborhood's cultural identity. But he added, quote, we still have small businesses struggling and empty storefronts. We still have homeowners, especially the most vulnerable, struggling to pay their property taxes. We have a community that is still the victim of violence. To say this community is just thriving without acknowledging that we have many challenges ahead of us shows an administration disconnected from the reality of our community. Thriving for whom? We still see the most vulnerable being left out, the marginalized being left out of the conversation. 
Well, this gets into the larger question of what is progress in the city of Chicago. And in, uh, to a large degree, Chris Kennedy said it during the 2018 gubernatorial election, uh, quote unquote, progress in the city of Chicago has meant moving poor people out, mm-hmm. uh, moving working people out and moving wealthier people in. And I've heard this so many times because since I came to Chicago and I would write stories about changes in neighborhoods, and just this goes back to the 80s, Rachel. I mean, you know, people like in a neighborhood that was starting to gentrify would, would start off by telling me, you wouldn't believe how bad this neighborhood was when I was first uh, moved here. There were gangbangers, there were drug dealers. And the, now look at it, you know, and there's like a coffee shop down the street. Right. And this, so this, it's this notion that this is, progress is because we move the poor people out. And to me, progress needs to be about closing that wealth gap for all families. And so one of the things that I'm pushing for in Will County and Chicago could push, push for it too, is using our cannabis tax dollars to make sure people who have been negatively affected by that in the past have an opportunity to have businesses, to put businesses in those empty storefronts in their communities instead of being pushed out somewhere else. Closing that wealth gap so that the next generation, their next generation, has money to go to good schools to create their own businesses. And that's why, I mean, I've been pushing hard for those tax dollars to make sure they don't just go to that empty education and and health void, but actually help the people who are being pushed out of these communities. They wanna stay in their community. They wanna have good paying jobs and, and good businesses. Give them that help right there through our taxpayer dollars from cannabis. Uh, so bet. what will happen next? I guess we're going to have to wait in about an hour when Alderman Sikcho Lopez joins us. But that concludes 2020's first episode of a mayor and her alderman. Yes. Love that episode. To be continued. <laughs> uh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Byron Sikcho Lopez, big Bernie supporter. So I don't know if you know that, uh, 25th Ward Alderman. And finally, this news is just breaking. It broke about nine minutes ago. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Lynn Sweet. Rachel Ventura may be showing up at Lori Lightfoot's office here in about an hour because Mayor Lori Lightfoot has endorsed Joe Biden for no! president. Correct. Oh, that's a big surprise. I thought for sure Lori Lightfoot was going to go for Bernie. But, you know, I'm wrong again. Yeah. Just kidding there. Uh, she was flirting with, uh, for a while, we're going to talk about this later, a little while with Romana Hussein, uh, but um, who's uh, on deck, ready to go. But uh, Lori was flirting with uh, supporting Michael Bloomberg for a while. Of course, Bloomberg dropped out of the race. Uh, well, he waited till uh, right after Super Tuesday, unlike uh, Buddha Judge and Amy Klobuchar, who uh, dropped out before Super uh, Tuesday. But uh, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. We'll be talking about this at greater length uh, with Romana Hussein. Uh, Rachel, before we let you go about your busy day, one more time, uh, tell people who you are, where you're running, and how they can get a hold of you. Rachel Ventura, I'm running for Congress in the 11th Congressional District. You can find me on electventura.com. And don't forget to get out there, vote for me, vote for Bernie. Invite all of the old Warren supporters to come on board with the movement, the progressive movement, the populist movement for the people. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, You're welcome, Rachel. Uh, Romana Hussein is on deck. We'll be right back with Romana. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. By the way, how bad were the Academy Awards this year? Did you see it? And the winner is a movie from South Korea. What the hell was that all about? We got enough problems with South Korea with trade. 
On top of it, they give him the best movie of the year. Was it good? I don't know. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey, D. Yeah? Did I tell you that the Ben Jarofsky Show is sponsored by Rattleback Records? No. Well, it is. Rattleback Records at 5405 North Clark Street is Andersonville's full-service record store. Hey, D. Did I tell you it was voted one of Chicago's best record stores in the 2019 Chicago Reader Poll? No. Well, it was. Wow. Rattleback Records, 5405 North Clark Street. Used and new LPs and 45s. They got CDs, DVDs, books, gifts, and much more. For more information, contact them at rattlebackrecords.com. That's R-A-T-T-L-E-B-A-C-K Records. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Romano Hussein in the studio. Romano Hussein in the studio. Uh, Rachel Ventura has left the studio. And uh, so Romano, every uh, Friday she comes here. She's an editor at the Chicago Sun-Times, the Romano Rundown. And we were talking with Rachel about this. Might as well pick it right up. Uh, breaking news. <laughs> Which, of course, is not really breaking. Uh, I mean, it's not that shocking. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago... Um, Lori Lightfoot endorsed Joe Biden at the Union League Club. <laughs> so um, we actually, I mean, there. I saw Cranes had a story right before it was formally announced that she was talking to Joe Biden and it was expected. But I didn't even need that story to tell me that she was going to endorse Joe Biden. I mean, that's what I expected. Yeah. So I mean, so I, I, mean, I w- we alerted it and I know why we alerted it, but between you and me and everybody else is listening i don't know is it really a shocker that needs to be alerted but well we actually i mean cranes broke it yesterday so <clears throat> it was out there yeah. that this was yeah. going to happen and there was a press release sent out uh i think i got it yeah we I got, got it. it we got it yeah Fran spielman <laughs> told us and then you know she's she had uh, state's attorney kim fox who we may talk about later i know she was a guest at your, on your right show here, sitting right where ago. you were yeah. sitting uh yesterday and so, um, so Fran's like, oh, this is happening. And I don't know. I'm not really shocked. And I don't know. And the other part of me is like, is Lori Lightfoot's endorsement really going to make a dent <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing. I, I don't know. I understand like all the presidential candidates who dropped out and why their endorsements matter to a certain extent, especially with Elizabeth Warren, I think. But in general, I think people have made up their mind. Yeah. And uh, and I also think, but I do think like if Barack Obama goes out and says something that, you know, well, that's the one that I think I would pay attention Barack to. Obama Not is, that, that it's going to sway me one way or another, but I think yeah. people, it might sway some people, I think. Well, let's put it this way. You will never reveal because, uh, because you're a, a journalist. journalist. And I try to be objective. Uh, uh, quite right. And then we can have that discussion at another time. But uh, we've had a, bits and pieces of that discussion, uh, the whole notion of objectivity. But you're never going to reveal because you, 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 uh, you've got those old school. And by the way, a lot of even, it's so funny because like Maya will come on the show and Maya's new school. 
journalist. Yeah, okay? she's younger. She's younger journalist, and she will give you her opinions very strongly without any reservations. Uh, it's awesome uh, conversation, blah, blah, blah. But then if I ask her, so who are you voting for? And she <laughs> goes, I'm not going to tell you I'm a journalist. I'm like, you just rip somebody. I, <laughs> I mean, but what's the line crossing yeah. over? You know? I mean, yeah. Like, like I said before on your show, I mean, I'm a Muslim and I'm a child of immigrants. I mean, it's clear that I'm not a Trump supporter, right? And I've written about, you know, things that touch upon that. So, I mean, I have no problem saying that, but... Yeah, it's a little hard. I think I'm I'm Generation X. I'm not exactly a boomer like you. <laughs> she loves doing it. I like I'm to put that as old. Oh, boomer! <laughs> but people do tell you know people do call people my age boomers because they're kids who don't know what a boomer is. My mom's a boomer. But she doesn't know she's a boomer. <laughs> she's from like, India. <laughs> so, you know, if I call her boomer, she's like, what? What? I mean, I, I and just, I'm not young like Dennis. Who's ah, so young. A millennial. Yeah. Young, 36. You are, you or are Miles. a millennial, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm a he's millennial. millennial. Miles a millennial, too. My, Miles, I don't think he's, he's even a millennial. I think yeah, he's how old like, is he? Okay, he. I think he's a millennial. I think if you're 19 or 20, you're Generation Z. All right, well, whatever. So. His sister's is Generation Z. <laughs> yeah, probably. Generation Z. People, uh, people say that Z is a lot cooler than the millennials. Well, that's, that's because the- everybody young thinks they're cooler than everybody old. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying as a Gen X. <laughs> Just Gen X. Okay, Gen X. <laughs> but we actually get we get ignored a lot. People could just talk about the millennial. There's a lot been a lot of articles about it. It's kind of funny about how Gen X are ignored. Right, and we all we're all we're like the middle child. We're like, hey, what about us? Right. I am a middle child, so Yeah. So, so anyway, um rough. we're talking about endorsements mm-hmm. and you're yeah, talking no, about the uh, no, the opinion. Okay, you know, there was yeah. a young journalist today that um i saw on twitter she was basically saying i'm a bernie San- sanders supporters and i'm going to be canvassing and it was just if, to me she's a freelance journalist but to me like i wouldn't do that and you know it, it still can cause people jobs you know if they tweet about certain things i'm not saying this young woman is in the danger of but it's, it can l- listen uh <clears throat> miles conflason comes in the show every thursday writes for in these times and he's openly for Bernie. He's canvassed for Bernie. He's put it on his Facebook wall. We've talked about it in the show, uh, that the fact that he's willing to put it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel as though it's not only a generational difference, uh, but it's like a what publication you work for difference. Yeah, of course. And um, I feel as though, and this is a larger story, we've had a conversation, yeah. like Im- implied, implicit biases that people have. Because that, of who they are. And and, and yeah. I understand that. And I do think it should be more, it shouldn't, I think who you are does affect certain things. And, you know, a lot of younger journalists say there's no such thing as objectivity. And I understand that. But there's just certain things that you can or cannot do. I say that, and I'm an old journalist. <laughs> Wait a minute, you go younger journalist. I've been saying <laughs> okay. that for 30 years. Because there are no, listen. I mean, no, I, I agree. And I it's agree. so unfair. Like Donald Trump, right after he got, this, by the way, was we're just riffing here. We didn't even plan anything. <laughs> Donald Trump, when he got elected, remember he said there was a judge of uh, a Mexican-American judge in Indiana, I believe it was, yeah. who should not be allowed to rule in a certain case because he's biased because he's Mexican-American, yeah. immigration case. And so Donald Trump is, uh, like, how do you deal with that? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, you, can't, you can't pretend that that's okay. That's, I'm just saying this as a person 
I don't know, maybe because I'm a person of color, it does matter to me. I mean, there's certain issues, I think, because of who you are. And that's why diversity is important in newsrooms. Because for so long, I mean, even today, I mean, most of our newsrooms are white and everything is from a certain perspective and a certain like your life experience. And that's why this, I think this election, especially with the Democratic candidates, is so heated because it's what your life experience is. I just had a conversation with someone, maybe my husband, about... <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw... It's throw Mick under the bus time. Oh. I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but... <laughs> I will. I mean, <laughs> but there are certain experiences. It doesn't matter what your thinking is. It is your experiences that shape certain values. Absolutely. And the way you think and what things are important to you. And I do think, you know, I, it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you are as, a, as someone who's white, your experience is completely different. It doesn't matter if you're left or right, your experiences are just completely different because of who you are and your privilege and, and what you think is important and, and it so, isn't right. for and the elections. So, and so that's why I'm saying the whole concept of objectivity yeah. is a very complicated situation. I agree. And some biases, this is all I'm saying. Some biases are accepted, and yeah. other quote unquote biases. Yeah, nobody's are gonna unaccepted. say who they voted for. I mean, okay. some people. What some a silly. What a silly. <laughs> Maybe that's what a, a line. For think about what, that, what a silly place to draw the line. Like, just think about all the other. Biases. Well, you said you said you don't want to. You don't want to say you hate Trump. That's your line. No. Well, I said, said Rom. I oh, said Rom. I, okay. You said Rom. Rom. Wait, not, I said Rom because you go. Okay, you no, hate but Rom. I asked you and if I you go, hated I don't Trump. Hate Rom. I did ask you. Oh yeah, you were uh, stumped when I asked you if you hated Trump. Yeah, remember? I said, so, like, "Can I get back to you on that yeah, one?" Yeah, that's true. Because okay, but you say you I don't hate Rom. That's your I line. Don't know Rom. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you don't want to say whether you well, hate him or not. Yeah, or you're just saying you don't hate him. Yeah, you I, like him. Well, I wouldn't say that. So <laughs> Let's not saying. go too far. I so mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, certain... I'm saying that I have other choices between like and hate, yes, right? Yes, I know. Okay. I mean, it's, and uh, and I really, this is, you know, like the old hippie side of me, uh, which you're going to oh, really make love fun everyone. of me. <laughs> I knew you. I remember, I remember my cousin, she was like, you know, it was really cool to be like, want to be hippie when I was in college. And remember those like, like. Sweat. I don't know what they were. They were like these sacks that people would wear. And my cousin Backpacks? had no. They were like these like um, Guatemalan. Like, oh I don't yeah, know, yeah. You know like, <laughs> And my cousin had yeah. one. And she or she had she had this quote that she would say like, uh, "Love everyone, but trust a few." And we just like laugh. It was like a Whoa. quote. <laughs> and then she had like a little peace symbol <laughs> on that shirt, and we just laugh at it. And you know the funny thing is, I say I hate people a lot. But I'm actually one of those people who doesn't hate no. a lot of people. And a lot of people who do hate people a lot and have a lot of passionate feelings, they're like, oh, I don't never use the word hate. I never so, use the word hate. Mean? I'm not hate. saying you, but I'm just saying in my experience, they're like, oh, you should never use the word hate. But I'm like, you're the one that hates people. I actually genuinely like people and yes. can find something good about them. But there's some people that you hate. Are yeah. Like, I'll, hey, I'll do yoga. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, white women who do yoga. There we go. And I'll tell you what, that was last week's show. Like, if you missed it, folks. It is a classic. <laughs> uh, I, I, I make fun of white people in general. Yeah, but wait, and but most people of color do. When the doors are closed, that's all we talk about. The doors don't have to be closed. No, but they, gets, they say it right here in the show. Every I know, but it's wait, it's a I little just, it's turned up a notch. Let me let me uh, let me just uh, say something about uh, Mick Dumpke, your husband. <laughs> I got to give him a shout out. Uh, we make fun of him in the show all the time, and I made fun of him last week for being a WBEZ. 
but I have to say, yesterday when I was preparing for the uh, 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 the Kim Fox interview, first person I called was Mick. What would you ask? And then he was, I was walking here and he was telling me this, that, and the other thing. The guy knows his criminal justice. No, issues. I mean, just because he's a white guy doesn't mean yeah. he doesn't and, know stuff. All right, now let's go back to making fun of him. Uh, what a nerd. Anyway, uh, <laughs> good well, job. Well, he made fun of you from listening to. He goes. Ben says it never listens to BZ. Well, I don't. I swear to God. Joke's on him. Okay, time out. In my defense, which is a feeble defense, (laughs) but I I had to, like, it's just pushing the buttons of the radio, and all of a sudden, I heard Mick's voice. So what am I (laughs) That's Mick. He was doing show prep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Usually, my show prep consists of listening to the oldie stations, so I have a song in mind. Yeah, I listen to music, too. I actually like listening to music. All right, but let's just go go back. Let's go back to um, the issue of objectivity because it ties in to something I want to get uh, your thoughts on. Uh, the whole notion of what's a bias that's kind of acceptable, mm-hmm. right, which nobody talks about, as opposed to a bias that's unacceptable, like if you say who you're going to vote for. Yes. Which is a, and that gets into the debate, uh, if you will, was on um, was Nina Turner and Hillary Rosen. Yes. The aide, uh, Hillary Rosen, the aide of Joe Biden, Nina Turner, of course. She's uh, called a Biden surrogate, but she talks about, she's a Joe Biden supporter and she's on CNN often. Go ahead. And so yesterday uh, they were obviously tussling and then uh, tussling with words and then... Uh, Nina Turner, by the way, from Nina our Turner revolution. is African American. Hillary Rosen is white, mm-hmm. and Hillary and Nina Turner cited uh, Martin Luther King in a speech or a writing he did. Letters from he, the Birmingham yeah, jail. Yeah, yeah, letters from Birmingham jail, which I read in high school, but I should read it again. <laughs> so I probably read it a couple times after, but I haven't recently. Mm-hmm. And she and I think she quoted him um, saying something about the moderate white, or you know, and then. She, uh, Hillary Rosen said, oh, you have no right to cite Martin Luther King. So she's a white woman telling this to a black woman. And so that, you know, a friend of mine actually sent this to me yesterday, um, this this exchange. And it was right before I was going to have um, dinner with Mick, but I didn't bring it up because we have like, oh my God, that we, have, been a we, have, we have a lot of um, heated conversations about the election anyway. Um, so. But she's they're not going to say who is supporting who because <laughs> no, they're journalists. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, um, so then uh, my friend sent, sent this to me. He goes, oh, these are the white liberals. So, you know, a person of color sent this to me and then I started laughing. And then I just didn't think anything. I, I thought about it and it laughed and go typical. And then, you know, went back to my life. And then today in the morning when I come to work, I open Twitter and it says angry black woman is trending on Twitter. So it turns out Hillary Rosen put out an apology, but in her apology, she referred to Nina Turner and others as angry black women. Mm -hmm. She goes, I shouldn't be, you know, and so that started a whole new debate. And a lot of people are talking about that. And so it's interesting because, you know, we hear, I mean, I hear a lot of people and I follow a lot of people who are Bernie supporters. I follow a lot of people who are following Elizabeth, um, Warren mm-hmm. and uh, and Joe Biden. And so, you know, I know a lot of people saying, oh, these Bernie Sanders people are so mean to me. And this one guy just had a pretty interesting tweet right before he came, this African-American guy who um, apparently follows, you know, apparently is a Bernie Sanders supporter and said, you know, we always hear about people talking about how mean people are to, um, you know, the followers of Bernie Sanders, like random people on Twitter. I mean, um, Joe Biden. But this is a Biden surrogate who is saying things like that. So why isn't she held accountable? And here, so here, <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting. You know what I mean? I, you're always talking about, oh, she's being mean to me. But like, what about someone who's this high up and was, you know, pretty much as someone said, white splaining 
to yeah. an African-American woman how she should talk about Martin Luther King. Yeah. And, you know, it's if we just if for a moment can just remove uh, the, the, the racial angle, of this particular confrontation away from it and just think about what the message that Martin Luther King um, was uh, articulating in his the letter from the Birmingham jail. And it's so relevant today because the overall lesson is that moderates are constantly telling activists, don't push too hard. You're pushing too far. You're asking for too much. You're going to get the other people mad at us. We're going we're gonna, to... We're gonna, the establishment. Yes. And that is a theme, just a general theme that's so alive right now, Romana, with the Bernie... Uh, campaign. I get it all the time from my friends of the Biden persuasion, including a certain husband of yours. And it's just, it's like I'm not saying he's for the, of the Biden persuasion, yeah. but you know I get that. And it's just it's constantly the fear that if Bernie pushes too hard, all of these swing voters will go for Trump, and it'll be all Bernie's fault. And that is the theme of Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail. Yeah, and, so, and, and, and it's interesting. I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of people of color, and I'm not saying every single person of color, because we're not a monolith. And it's just interesting. Like, you know, it's always a certain group of people, and they always tend to be white, telling everybody else how to think, I feel like. I don't know. As a person of color, like, like you, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I am actually a person of color. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, Trump has been targeting, if anybody, brown people, people who thinks he thinks are Muslim, even though Muslims are many stripes, but Arab, South, you know, I'm not, you know, South Asians who look like me or are like me. And, uh, you know, it's like, so we're not supposed to say anything or feel anything. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just interesting, you know, and and it's like we're you know, there's a lot at stake here right now. And I just think there's passions are like really getting intense but it's just it the conversations have just been very very interesting i yeah. think and you know and i guess uh you know because there's been so many nominees there's so many f finger pointing like to your girl tulsi <laughs> gabber did you see what she did yesterday no i missed all, all the people i love how she's suddenly my girl <laughs> she wasn't i thought she was at yeah. some point uh, but i mean you know it's funny because yesterday i mean there was she people, was never even my top five just people on my twitter account not me we're we're making jokes about w white women crying because mm. elizabeth Warren dropped out and and i not me okay I didn't say, say I that was. one more time just so everybody knows <laughs> it was not me but was there was somebody a, that you know but anyway Anyway, uh, it was interesting. It was just fun. I'm not laughing because I, I do think it was, you know, it is symbolic. You know, they're like people want a female president. But then, you know, there are people who are of my persuasion. Dulce Gabbard is a woman of color and yeah. she does not make the people of my persuasion happy. Yesterday, she tweeted something about how Hindu phobia is very alive and rampant. Now, she is someone who supports um, the BJP, has openly supported the BJP. Explain and this what is, that means to The BJP her. is a right-wing group that is ruling in India. If anybody has been paying attention to the news in India right now, there's a lot of anti-Muslim um, sentiment out there. There's laws that are putting into place that are detrimental to Muslims, stripping away their rights. And, you know, within the last, uh, when Trump was in India, about 50 people died in the protests. And a lot of people are mad because they're coloring it as communal tension. But let's face it, the, the victims in these cases are Muslim. They had people bust in to like, you know, kind of attack people. Anyway, um, from the news reports I've read, anyway, Tulsi Gabbard had this, um, 
she took this um, Twitter or like, you know, it was on social media, this Hindu woman talking about how she went into a cab and she was um, had a Muslim cab driver. And then, you know, she told him she was Indian and Hindu. And he goes, oh, look what's happening in India. And, and the, that woman's like, that's not true. Whatever you're seeing in the news or being told, it's totally fake. And well, she wouldn't say fake, but she said it's on both sides. And anyway, so Tulsi took that and then tweeted that yesterday. And then people were kind of like people from like a lot of people who are left were like, oh, she doesn't have to, you know, say anything. And people are like, well, she gets support. She has been to India and has been seen with Prime Minister Modi, who's like the head of the BJP party or, you know. Mm-hmm. And so and so she tweeted that and everybody was and then, you know, there's a lot of Muslim Americans or Muslims, even in India, saying, first of all, that the, that account that she was talking about that happened to this woman that was in the UK. It wasn't even the United States. So they're like, what are you talking about? And for someone to say that you know, not say anything about what's happening in India and bring up Hindu phobia. And that's not to say there aren't, there isn't prejudice against Hindu people. There probably is. And a lot of times it's because people think they're Muslim, but it's not to the standard, then it's not to the, you know, stature of Islamophobia, I think, or even anti-Semitism. I don't know if you saw the Bernie rally yesterday. Someone showed up with a Nazi um, flag. It was probably a Trump supporter. Yeah. I did not see that. Yeah. I, I, I just seen it, seeing it on Twitter. Wow. Just so I'm just saying that you know people are talking about people being mean. So Damn, you know what I mean? There's 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 really ugly stuff going on. Not just people saying mean things to people on Twitter. I mean, I'm not laughing. It's just Well, I it's, mean, it's a very it's a sad situation. There, I think there was uh it <laughs> There was an article, I just read this last night, woke up at four in the morning, Ramana, one of those moments where I couldn't sleep, I don't know why, two hours of reading, and I went, then I went back to bed playing. But one of the things I read uh, was an essay, uh, I can't remember who wrote it, um, Jill Lepore wrote it, uh, she's uh, a Harvard pro- political science professor. Anyway, it was an essay about how uh, Twitter, Twitter, I, I was like, oh, finally someone agrees with me. Um, Twitter is, is is like sort of toxic in so many. It can levels. be. It can be. It can be. It's toxic on one level, and on the other hand, I think it does give a voice to a lot of people who are ignored, usually, or whose voices aren't heard. Well, they're still so, not getting heard. <laughs> so that's I mean, true. That's like, true. Nobody listens nobody to listens, me. Nobody You know, I mean, we listen <laughs> I just, to you. I listen. I just to you. scream at the wall half uh, the time. But, but uh, no. But it, it is interesting because. You know, people talk about, oh, you know, they don't, you know, like they talk about people of color. They're like, oh, well, they're supporting another white guy. I'm like, well, in the case of Tulsi Gabbard, a lot of people will say people of color will tell you why they don't think she's necessary. You know, the establishment or quote unquote establishment is always putting up people of color, but maybe they're not the people of color the people of color want. Or it's like the person who's, you know, it's like, like we talk about the squad, right? Ilhan Umar and AOC and a lot of people who are in the establishment don't like them either. And is it because they talk and say things that they don't, they, they're not saying what the establishment wants them to say? And I mean, just a couple of days ago, like this young, this woman I knew from high school, her reasoning for not liking Bernie Sanders was because he, he, he embraces Ilhan Omar and AO, you know, um, and Linda Sarsour and women like that. So it's like, so you want. I feel like sometimes it's like when it comes to people of color in politics, they have to play a certain role. And I, you know that. Yeah. It's like they can't say what they want to say sometimes. And I understand politically it's with, like that with everyone. But with people of color, it's a particular. You have to be careful about what you say. I mean, Barack Obama had to distance himself from his pastor. Trump doesn't have to distance himself from anyone. No. Absolutely you know, could you not. imagine if... Um, it- 
what some we Barack Obama was palling around with uh, Jeff Epstein. Yeah. By the way, let's just think about this. Not only I know does, we're going on tangents. No, but this, not circles. only does Trump not have to distance himself from anyone, Republicans don't have to distance themselves from Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump's probably, I mean, you think of all the rules, this is one of my favorites, all the rules that Democrats play uh, play to, Trump violates them all, yes. all the time. Trump's accused of rape right now. Chicago Tribune's editorial saying Bernie's gone too far and they, they're they supporting Biden, which by the way, is the, f- anybody out there, just, can I just, we're on a tangent with a tangent with a tangent, anyone out there, who votes for Joe Biden because the Tribune advises him, you guys should trade in your Democratic cards because they're the most right-wing Republican outlet. All right, anyway, uh, but within it, but they still won't acknowledge the fact that Donald Trump has a rape accusation again. And I know we've talked about it on the show. Yeah. You're a fan of the writer. And so Eugene it's- Carroll, she's yeah. one of the- So there's two sets of rules. Absolutely yeah. two sets of rules. Well, I don't know if you saw, should I call him your boy, Bill Clinton? <laughs> in his latest interview he I, uh, he talked about why he had the affair with monica Lewinsky, and he said it was to relieve his anxieties and you know i think a lot of women were upset about that. i mean it's just like god this man it's Man, it was Clinton just, can if he only inhale. Yeah. yeah, he is such it's, a. I, I. How did I miss that? I was up at. Oh four my god! It was a, it was in the New York Post, but then like a friend of mine uh, from high school uh, put it on Facebook, and it's like you gotta laugh. It's like, it's, God, you know, it, it's like my. It, I was waiting for Monica Lewinsky to say something because she's on Twitter and she does tweet. That's the one good thing I like about Twitter. Monica, <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. Lewinsky. Yeah, she's. And I mean, as a woman, Twitter. it's just sad that this guy. I mean, he makes millions off of speaking engagements and her life pretty much, it changed her life, not for the better. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm just saying as a woman, you know, I think there was people, you know, people were upset yesterday at his comments. I think Hillary Clinton was interviewed in this too. And he talked about how he was out of line, but to say that it was to relieve his anxieties or yeah, no, that's anxious. A, I don't know what it was. Really but weird. It was just weird. Just, I'll send you, I'll send yeah, you a send link. It, yeah, we could talk about that next week. I wish you'd send it to me earlier. I Sorry, that I, I didn't mean to call him your boy or uh, Tulsi your girl. No, that's okay. <laughs> you can call them both. I don't care. Uh, I, Clinton's one of the few that I could do of, of sort of a halfway decent. Well, you got a take. good one. Let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> wait, now, come, come, so when I do it, I all of a sudden Ken Davis pops into my mind. Uh, I love Romana. <laughs> Romana's a good friend of mine. That's real good. Yeah. <laughs> Romana Hussein. Every every Friday in the Ben Jarofsky show. Now do your Bernie. <laughs> Romana Hussein on the Ben Jarofsky show. I love her. She's so good. That's yeah, Larry Clinton David. Clinton is your only good impression. What's that? So Clinton is your only hey, good impression. Come on, man. What about Ken Davis? <laughs> oh, okay. I can't forget about that one. I love Romana. <laughs> Let's hear oh your Bill God. Clinton invitation. I'd start laughing when I do it. My family all does it because we all do the I feel your pain one because that's the one that we you know the earliest one that yeah. we remember. I feel your pain. <laughs> I'm actually imitating he's John Travolta imitating. imitating yeah, uh, that's what he used to do. You do sound colors. like John Travolta. Uh, you do sound is, like I was going to see yeah. Saturday Night Fever. Well, no, but John Travolta. In, have you ever seen? No, I never, show? but I heard about it. It's really good. I actually sure. recommend. I mean, it's you know. Not, by the way, uh, you know what? This is one of those moments. Recommendations. We well, don't even talk about Before we get Kim to Fox. recommendations, we'll get to recommendations, but this is a, a confession. 
I was wrong. You were right. It's not easy for me to say this, but it was true. Last week in this show, uh, Romana was alluding to a movie about Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. And I said, I, I, are you sure? <laughs> Nick and, Nolte, right? Uh, Nick Nolte was, it? was Jefferson. I don't know. And then, so like, she left the studio and... Uh, it, was about, I, it was about sanitizing Thomas Jefferson's relationship with Sally Hemings. Yes. And, and that movie said that, oh, they were in love. Yeah, a really stupid movie, by the way. I, I never saw it. I, well, I went back uh, afterwards. And you watched it? No, I didn't watch it. I, I watched, I clicked on the, like, the previews. They have the trailer, like really dumb. So anyway, you were right. I was wrong. I'm pretty good at pop no, culture. That's really the one are. thing maybe I'm better at you and McDumkey. I can talk about pop culture. Maybe from make not music, but. Kind of 90s. I'm just saying. You're like in the 90s. No, I know the I I know. I have to tell Mick about certain pop culture icons that are problematic now because he's like, oh, I love that guy. Have you heard and of chain smokers? Is it a band? It's a group, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was sometimes, a wild guess. Sometimes I figured it sounded like a very hipster yeah. kind oh, of band. Just, well, it's not a band, more like, you know, producers, beat oh. makers. I don't even, it's a long story. Let's not even go there. All right, what are your recommendations? Well, I, I did start Narcos Mexico. We were talking about Narcos before the show. So there's three seasons of the regular Narcos, mm -hmm. and there's Narcos Mexico. So this is the second season of Narcos Mexico, and it's very good. Um, I am watching it with Mick. And uh, the other thing I listen to, which is really funny in the way that I came upon it, is this uh, podcast, Radio Labs in New York, is doing this podcast called The Other... Do you listen to podcasts, Ben? Yeah. Are you kidding? Oh, I, I do know. a podcast. I don't know if you're... It was too, like... Every, I could just say this. Hip for you. Or... Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know if the ones I listen to are hip, but whenever uh, I drive, Dennis oh, and I drive, drive home... Uh, okay. Well, I'm the one who drives here. And then... <laughs> Uh, anyway, whenever we go back home after the show, oh, I don't know you guys carpool. That's very good. Yeah, we carpool cool. on the the back Way end back, of it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so yeah, I like to listen to them because they're masters of of a format that I'm trying to figure out. So like Joe Rogan and um, my man, uh, what's his oh, name? Todd Glass. Todd show? love Todd Glass. Hell yeah, Todd Glass is just he's. It, <laughs> It's hard to explain how much I love that class. Anyway, I'm almost So anyway, this is a funny way how I found out about this mm -hmm. podcast. Um, you know Mitch Dudek. He's a reporter for the Sun-Times. Yeah, I've never correct? met him, but I know who he anyway, is. Anyway, he's like, he like screaming across the room one day and he goes, you know, Latif Nasser? And I'm like, what? And I'm like, who are you talking about? And he's like, this guy follows you on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, let me see. And I, I look at him because I really like what he does with this podcast. He's a producer at this podcast station. But he, so I was like, oh, I go eat. And then Mitch, Mitch is like, he follows you for some reason. I go, oh, that's because he's brown and Muslim. And then Mitch Dudek is like, is that all it takes? I'm like, yeah, we try to find each other. And we all kind of follow each other. And like, It's a small world. Yeah, it is. It's, Although the world's not it, that small. No, it isn't. It's a big world. But anyway, world. so it turns out this guy, he just started, he, he's a producer for a show. But he just started this podcast, which is on Guantanamo. Bay and this other guy and he he stumbled you might have seen the story in the New York Times and yeah. CNN so I started following this guy back and I in Mitch Dudek's like I really like the stuff he does it's really cool and then you should you should, you should and then I found out he's doing this podcast called the other Latif he pronounces his name Latif L-A-T-H-E-F I would pronounce it Latif anyway it talks about how he was just screwing around on the internet and trying to see if anybody had the same name as him in the United States and they don't but the one guy that does is Guantanamo Bay 
So he follows his story, and it's very compelling. Um, uh, the New York Times did an article on this podcast, um, CNN has, and a lot of people have been, there's a lot of traction on it. I just listened to episode five while I was running today. So it's very good. I think you'd, I think you'd really enjoy it. Uh, it, it it's it's it talking. It kind of talks about a lot of things that we talk about here, mm-hmm. like um, civil rights and a lot of things that happen at Guantanamo Bay. And this guy's story is very, very interesting so far. He worked on the story for three years. Uh, and so I think I think you guys would find it interesting. I'm going to check that one out. Uh, my recommendation to you is is far less serious uh, and far more frivolous. Uh, the Invisible, Invisible Man, Man is so good. I didn't know you like scary movies. It's it's really. I thought you were going to say, flick. are you going to watch Candyman when it comes out? Hell yeah. Are you, you were scared of it. It made me laugh. Yeah. Can I tell you why I was laughing so hard? Why? Me and my siblings were watched together. We rented it. It was like 1990, 91. Because, you know, it was, it was filmed in Chicago. That is correct. And the new one's going to be filmed in Chicago, too. We, or has. Has, has, sorry. And it's the new one. Has, I saw the previews. I've seen the previews twice now. It was filmed uh, it, it, where the uh, Cabrini Green yeah. used to be. But they have it, the low rises. They still have low rises at Cabrini yeah. Green. And uh, so there's a lot of Cabrini Green shots. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and then that touches upon gentrification. So it probably has more political... In that chair where you're sitting right now, yesterday, Kim Fox, who, by the way, if I must give a shameless uh, promotion, I, everybody, when you're done listening to this, go check out that uh, podcast. Even if you listen to it once, listen I'll to it check, twice. I'll yeah. check it out. Uh, it's, she, she was very impressive, in my humble opinion. And uh, Leonard Goodman has entered the room. Leonard Goodman has entered the room. Uh, she was very impressive. Uh, I know you're not allowed to say who you're going to vote for. <laughs> but she, wa- I was already going to vote for her, but she... I thought did a great job, and we discussed Smollett Gate and all that stuff. Uh, well, I have to take a look. Yeah, no, but but she uh, talked about she grew up in Cabrini Green, mm-hmm. and she yeah. talked about Candyman, oh. and she made uh, she talked about Smollett. She made like a Smollett reference to Candyman. Interesting. Yeah, man, I was like, whoa, well, like two for two on this one, man. <laughs> Candyman and Smollett Gate. Well, remember Virginia Madsen was in the movie and she plays yes. a researcher at yes. UIC. Very and, good for knowing who yeah, the actress was. She's from the North Shore. Um, anyway, um, Michael Madsen and her both grew up in the North Shore. Anyway. Did not know that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, there's this instant where she gets attacked while she's trying to look for the Candyman in Cabrini Green, yeah. or she gets mugged or something. And then right. they have a they have a lineup where they have these guys say because the guy basically who mugged her or attacked her said, "I'm the Candyman." Yes. E. And so like me and my siblings were just we just laughed at that whole movie. I can't believe it just you made us laugh. I was so scared. It was so of that movie. funny. Oh my god! I cannot and believe. And then the Candyman wasn't scared. scary. He was like he had this distinguished British accent, and it was just funny. I so I, you know what. Then uh, you may not find the Invisible Man scary. I was so scared of the Invisible Man. I had my hands like this the whole time, like, <laughs> looking through the, the. You know, you ever do this? You ever get scared when you yeah, look through your fingers? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, That's when something gross is. Gonna you know, happen. I'm not even supposed to do that anymore because of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, don't touch don't, your face. Don't touch your face. Don't look. Anyway, uh, okay. sorry, we talked too much and no, went too many Leonard tangents. Goodman is uh, on deck. We got to bring him on. It's always a blast. The Romana rundown. Uh, every oh, I just one last thing. Hunters ultimately. Mm. You didn't like, yeah. I mean, ultimately, was it but worth you, all that wait, time of my hold life? On. You were just <laughs> raving. Yeah, I know. You were talking about it so much all this week. I, you know, it's like any other series that I dedicate 
10 hours of my existence to watching when it's all said and done. Is that all there is? <laughs> is that all there is? And I'm like, why did I? Are you trying to sound like Pacino? No. Uh, that's Mar- my Marlene Dietrich imitation. Oh, I don't even know what Bill Clinton. Oh, here, Pacino is great. I love Al Pacino. So anyway, I'm glad I watched it, but um, it probably won't be renewed then. I guess. Well, you know, I am the I am the kiss of death for uh, you know uh, a, a video. Anyway, all right, uh, Romana, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks Leonard for having Kerman me. on deck. Ooh. We'll bring him on when we return.